Welcome to the Life Church St. Peter's Message of the Week. We hope you're encouraged by today's message and encounter God's heart through it. To find out more about us, visit lifechurchstpeters.com. Amen. Well, I can see the mics on already. That's always a good sign. <laughs> We're off and running. So uh, let's begin in prayer. Heavenly Father, you are great, God. Yes. We thank you for the worship time here. Yes. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. It's all over this meeting today and the yeah. meeting before. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Lord, please speak through us. Please soften every heart. And Lord, please change our lives. Transform us into the people that you already see us as being. Amen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I love the scripture that Mike first read talking about those that wait upon the Lord. It's basically the heart of what I am going to talk about today. Those that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. The word wait is an active word. It's not like waiting, uh, doing nothing. It's when you wait upon the Lord, your attention is on the Lord, and you're waiting for him to give you direction. And so waiting is a very active word. And I suppose that's the best word in the English language, but the Hebrew word for wait there, waiting, is actually to braid. Like if you take three cords and you braid a rope together, or you braid your hair, that word waiting is to braid with the Lord. And so when we're waiting upon the Lord, we're focused on the Lord, and his very nature starts to permeate our soul and body. You see, we are spirit beings living in a body. Our body is not us. We are gonna leave this body here on the earth, and we're gonna go somewhere else with a new body right? We are spirit beings, and our main vehicle here is our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions, our soul. And our soul is the key to walking what God has for us. The Bible says, as your soul prospers, so you, you are in prosperity and in health. And so as our, our spirit prospers, our soul, our lives prosper. And so the Lord, I had a different message than the one for today, prepared because Tom, Tom and Randy were supposed to be in England today, but uh, their passport, there was trouble, right, or something, <laughs> there was trouble. And so there's trouble. Anytime you go through those doors at the airport, you're like entering another world. <laughs> and they that run it don't know what they're doing. <laughs> you know, it's amazing. And, uh, and so I had a message already because he told me a while ago. And Last week, he just touched me so strongly with the fact that I am your victory, and you have the victory. And so he started changing uh, my, the message, and, I'm, and like Heather was just over, overwhelmed by the anointing today, and so was I. And it was, I'm writing this thing out in a PowerPoint, and I'm like bawling on my, on my, on, on my keyboard. <laughs> and I don't know if that's good for your... Weeping on your keyboard is probably not healthy for electronics, but something is here for someone, I know. <laughs> someone here, you know. And so he's beginning to, what he wants to do is not just tell us about the victory, that he is our victory, but he wants us to show how to walk in victory in the world. And so we're going to talk about walking in victory here. And so, <clears throat> so one of the things that he's shown me over the last few years is that we connect heaven and earth. Human beings connect heaven and earth, and that is God's plan to have us connect heaven and earth. And uh, we'll talk about how that is today. And so Jesus came to reconnect what we lost. 
Jesus came from heaven to bring his kingdom to earth. And so he was the first human being after the fall of Adam. He was the first human being connected to heaven and to the earth. And Jesus said, I, ha I, I have judgment. The Son of Man has judgment in the earth because he is also the Son of God. The Son of God. So he's connected to authority in heaven, but he's also connected to earth, which was given to the children of men. We give the devil too much credit here on the earth because he has no authority in the earth. Because the earth was given to the children of men, not the devil. Even when Adam and Eve fell, he usurped it and he deceives us. And anything he uses against us, we give to him. We load the gun he uses, <laughs> he just pulls the trigger. And so stop giving the devil credit. Let's start taking back the authority in the earth that he has given to us as children of men. Amen? Because we connect heaven again. If you have Jesus, you connect heaven. Right? Yes. And so the Bible says that he that confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God dwells in him and he in God. And so maybe I should say he and she, and I don't know about all that stuff now, but when I say he, I mean everybody, okay? <laughs> okay. It's simpler that way, right? And so if we confess Jesus is the son of God, and hopefully most of us here have done that, then God dwells in our heart and we dwell in him, right? And so Jesus is seated where? At the right hand of the father, right? And so he's seated in heaven, but he's also seated in me. He's seated in both places, right? Amen. And he's connected by the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is given to connect us to the Son at the right hand of the Father and here in us. And so we connect heaven and earth here on earth. Amen. And we need to remember that because that's how we live out victory in this, in this world is knowing we are connected to God's authority and power here on earth. And he's given us authority in the earth to exercise that authority and power in the earth. And so we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit connection. And so we're going to talk about three manifestations of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit with us, the Holy Spirit in us, and the Holy Spirit upon us. And all those come from different scriptures in the Bible, and we're going to, which scripture means the verses in the Bible. And so we're going to talk about some, some Bible verses that talk about these very things. Okay, I, I like that picture. It, from time to time I go to Africa, and I was in Africa a few months ago and, and I took that picture because it was just, I was so moved by the people kneeling down and praying over the crowd that had just come to Jesus. About 13,000 people came to Jesus that night in Tanzania and they were praying over them to walk in victory, right? To walk in what Christ has done in them. But I wanted to include this picture because it has more than one perspective. You know, you've got the front perspective of the crowd and the people praying. That's, that's what we see mostly in the picture. But off in the distance, there's the sun setting, right? And so that's another perspective. So in this picture, you see two perspectives. You see what's present in here, and you see what's off in the distance, right? And so we have to have both perspectives going on about God in our life. And so one pers uh, a lot of times people think, look at God as being out there. Martin Luther said that when I, when I see God out out in the distance, I'm in trouble. But when I remember he's in me, I'm secure. And so we need to have both. We need to remind ourselves that God dwells in us, right? That he dwells in us. We're not alone here. If God be for me, who can be against me? If Jesus dwells in me, I have everything I need to overcome the things in this life that we face, Amen. right? And to be victorious. 
But if I'm only focusing on Christ in me and forgetting about the Holy Spirit and his power and anointing, then I don't have all the power I need to live, to really change other people's lives, to help other people's lives, to make a difference in their lives. And so we have to be aware of both things. We have to be aware of our connection with God and his anointing and power, and we have to be aware of God in us. It's, it's, actually, it's actually like a circuit. If you have two electrical cords, if you don't have the cord from heaven plugged into your cord here, you're just going with the power of Christ within you. That's, all, that's the power you have. But if you connect to the Holy Spirit that's connected to the throne, then you have all the power you need in this world, beyond the power that we need. And so we need to be aware of both manifestations, major manifestations of the Holy Spirit in our lives to live victoriously. And so um, Jesus talked about the fact that he connects heaven and earth. And so there's a story in the Bible where Nathaniel was sitting under a fig tree. Philip, come, Philip, the apostle Philip comes to Nathaniel. He invites him to come meet the Messiah. And so Nathaniel comes and he's walking to meet the, the, the Messiah. And Jesus sees him and says, wow, an Israelite that has no guile or cunning, right? And Nathaniel, uh, Nathaniel goes, well, you know me already? And he, um, and he said, yes, before Philip called you under the fig tree, I called you. And he said, oh, you're the Christ, the son of God. And then Jesus says, you, with just that you believe, you're going to see more. And he starts, starts talking about the more. And so Jesus asked him, do you believe this just because I told you I'd seen you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. Then Jesus said, I tell you the truth, you will all see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down upon the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. And so Jesus connected heaven and earth. He was, he was going back to Jacob's ladder in the Old Testament where Jacob saw a connection between heaven and earth. And Jesus was calling himself Jacob's ladder, that he connected heaven and earth. And so Jesus in himself connects heaven and earth. And then the angels of God go up and down upon that ladder. Now that, I look for these little details in the, in the Bible, right? And I wonder about them, right? Like the detail of why are they going up? You know, why are the angels going up? They should be coming down and get then going up, like with, the, with what God says to do, right? But they're going up first, then they're coming down. Also, you look up the word angel in the Greek, it means messenger, so it can be an angelic being, like, you know, like wings and white and, you know, powerful, right? But it, it can be any kind of messenger, you know? It could be FedEx, if you, you know? They could be an angel because they're delivering a message, right? And so it's any kind of messenger, and, but in the context, it could be a divine being, right? And so we're going up. We, the people on earth, we go up Jesus, to the throne room by the blood of Jesus, we come boldly before the throne in the time of need. We go up Jesus, our connection into heaven, and then God gives us the answer to us to bring it down, or he sends it down with a messenger. And so the way God set it up is we go up to God with the requests. We go up to God and stand in his place with authority and command. And then we come down with the answer or some angel or some being, the Holy Spirit comes down with the answer. So God set up this world to include us because he, his plan from the very beginning is to bring forth his kingdom in the earth through human beings. And so he wants, to, he wants human beings involved. 
And so he could do it himself because he's human and divine. But he wants us to be included. And so he wants us to be the ones who go up in prayer. And then when his answer comes down, and there's a healing, a miracle. Someone gets a job. There's a problem that's resolved. We go, wow, I prayed and God answered, right? And then we rejoice in what God has been doing through us as he includes us in what he's doing in his kingdom on the earth. And so, you know, we need, so we're connected by Jesus. We connect heaven and earth. Now, I, this is the best picture I have of that window. This is not an advertisement for, for healing windows or the healing workshop that'll be here October 4th at 7 p.m. <laughs> so it's not a commercial for that, but, uh, but it's, a good, it's a good picture of that window. So I was praying and uh, just praying, minding my own business, <laughs> and the Lord just shows me this window suspended in the spirit, kind of like that window. And there was a red ribbon around the window. And there was a cross. The window itself actually made a cross. There was a cross in the window. And I knew that it was a gift because it had a bow on it. Like God was giving something. And he paid for it with his blood because it was a red ribbon, right? But as I'm looking at this window, this heavenly window, this bright light comes out of the bottom of the window. And it's so bright, it literally hurts my eyes. Now, I'm, I have my eyes closed. I'm praying. I'm seeing this in the spirit. And the, the light is so bright, it hurts my physical eyes. Now, that's connecting heaven and earth, you know? He was showing me a light. And he was showing me the fact that we are all windows in heaven. We are literally all under an open heaven. And we are all windows that God wants to pour blessings out of through us into the world. We are all windows of heaven. And so there's an interesting um, scripture in Malachi, and, and Tom's been talking about generosity. And this verse in Malachi fits generosity, but it also fits, it also fits being a window in heaven. And so God is talking to the children of Israel because they're holding on to their stuff. You know, if, if you're holding on to your stuff and you, you're, it's hard to give, then your stuff has you. We're supposed to have stuff, not the other way around. And so what he was saying to, the, to most of Israel, he was saying, look, the Levites are starving because you guys aren't bringing any, any of the tithes and offerings into the storehouse, so they're, they're hungry. So look, you're holding on to stuff, and I can't bless you because you're holding on to the stuff you have. I can't give you more. And so then he explains to them about bringing the tithes into the, into the storehouse. And so... Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. And test me, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you a window in, of heaven. Open you windows of heaven. Now, in the King James, it's written this way. Other versions have added open windows for you. But in this version, I really like it because it's literally saying you are a window in heaven. Yes. It's saying I want to open you a window in heaven and pour you out a blessing that you cannot receive, that there wouldn't be room enough for it. And so what he's saying is, each one of us is a window of God's blessing from heaven into earth. Because you have Jesus on the inside of you, you connect heaven and earth, you are a window from God's heaven into earth that God wants to pour a blessing through you into the world. Now, whatever you do, 
whoever you are, whatever your gifts are, whatever your strengths and weaknesses are, it doesn't matter. God wants to take who you are and what you've experienced, what you have, and he wants to pour blessing through you more and more to bless other people. Amen? And when you're doing that, you are living in victory. Because it's not about us, it's about God, his presence flowing through us, and what he's doing for other people. Amen? Amen. So... So the spirit of truth, who the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. And so remember I mentioned that we're going to talk about the spirit with us. And so this was one of the last things Jesus said to his disciples before he went to the cross. And so he was telling them that the Holy Spirit was with them, which he was. He was there with them in Jesus. He was also in the room with Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit was with them. And the Holy Spirit is with us, he speaks to us, he guides us, and he's also with not unbelievers, telling them you need a savior, you need a savior. It says in um, chapter 16 of John that the Holy Spirit comes and convicts the unbeliever of sin, convicts them that they need a savior. And so that's what the Holy Spirit does. And so that's the Holy Spirit with them. So they were in a room together with Jesus. Jesus was beginning to tell them that he was going to the cross that the Holy Spirit was going to be with them, but then he was going to send the Holy Spirit to them. And then he says when he, when, he, um, when he sends the Holy Spirit to them, that I will come to you. So he was going to come to them in the Holy Spirit. So he, Jesus goes to the cross. He goes to the whipping post for, for sickness and disease. He goes to the cross for our sin. He rises from the dead for, to save us from everything that's against us, everything that we lost in the fall. He rises from the dead and then he appears for the first time in the room, the locked room where the disciples are because they're hiding from the people that crucified Jesus. They were afraid. And so he appears in the room. He says peace to them before this. He says peace again because they were rattled. And so he goes, so Jesus said to them, peace be to you. As the Father sent me, I also send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus went over to his like 120 disciples and he breathed on them. You know, well, the devil thought that when he crucified Jesus, he won. He thought he won. He only had one Jesus to worry about, but now he had 121 now to worry about. You know? And then as more and more people came to Jesus, he had more and more people to worry about, worry about right? So he, Jesus breathed on them. Why did he breathe on them? It goes back to what Jesus, in the form of God the Creator, since that the word of God created all things. Jesus is the living word of God. In the very beginning, when God made Adam and Eve, he breathed on Adam, and Adam became a living soul. Creation of humankind started when, when Jesus, in the form of the word of God, God, the creator God, the word of God that created, created everything, breathed on Adam, and he became a living soul. That was the beginning of creation. When Jesus breathed on his disciples, he was starting a new creation of the human race. When he was on the cross, he died for every human being. He died for the sin of the world, John the Baptist said. So when, he, when Jesus was on the cross, he was dying for the human race. And so the human race, from God's perspective, is dead. Really, he knows that they're living and they're in bodies, but from his perspective, he killed them on the cross, and he actually died for everyone's sin. Everyone has forgiveness available to them. We just don't open the gift and, and receive it. 
So Jesus took care of our past and our history at the cross. And when you receive Jesus, he takes care of your past and your history. It's gone. It's gone. You don't have to live it anymore. And he actually takes care of your present sins and your future sins because 2,000 years ago, he died for our sins with one sacrifice. Go read Hebrews chapter 9 and 10. It says, by one sacrifice, Jesus put away sin forever. Hallelujah. We are forgiven. And even if I make a mistake tomorrow, I'm already forgiven for that because Jesus paid for it 2,000 years ago. Hallelujah. You know, and even if I sin, you know what? I sin willfully. You know, like there's a verse, you know, uh, Hebrews 10, 26, I think it is. It says, if you sin willfully, there's no more sacrifice for sin. You can go read it, but you know what? I sin willfully. Like if, if, I, if I get annoyed at my wife, I, I get annoyed back at her willfully. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what I mean? You know, I, I, I got to say, yeah, I got to say willful sinning is something I do. <laughs> but what he's saying, he's not saying, that, oh, if you sin willfully, you're done and there's no more hope. What he's saying is Jesus already did the sacrifice 2,000 years ago. Even if you sin willfully, you can't do a sacrifice to get unfor- unsinned. You're forgiven, right? Our sacrifice was 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ. He took care of sin forever. And when we believe that, we don't hide from God when we screw up. We go to God who's got the answer, and he's the one with the forgiveness. And the healing and the deliver, right? You know? And so once we start to realize that we have the Holy Spirit in us, our life starts to change. But we, we need to also know that we can tap into the Holy Spirit upon us. The Holy Spirit's been given upon us. And I know that I'm born again. I, keep, I have this sheet that says who I am in Christ. I read it often. You know, I remind myself of who's in me because I forget. I forget who I am. And so um, one, one day we were, we were going to a restaurant to meet some missionaries. And I, I, the Lord was saying pray because I had been at church a long time. We'd been serving. I was drained but I went in because I was late. And so I'm sitting there. I don't know what was in the restaurant, but there was something in the restaurant that was bad because something hit me while I was in the restaurant. I got sick. And so I'm like walking around the restaurant like this, you know, because I, I had, my gut was so sore, I couldn't, I, couldn't, I couldn't straighten up. I felt like uh, in the movie Duck Soup, you know, where they're all... <laughs> well, the guy... So Kathy had to drive because I couldn't drive the car like this because the pain was so bad I couldn't straighten up so she takes me home she prays for me I pray for me nothing changes so I'm kind of sitting that way in the chair right at home she has a ladies meeting she goes she goes out to that so I'm I'm home by myself so how am I going to get free of this I keep telling this thing to get out it won't leave so I just started thanking Jesus for the light thank you Jesus for your light and I let my mind kind of float over me into the light. I just let David, Psalm 25, lift your soul unto the Lord. It's a great meditation. Lifting your soul to the Lord can heal you, right? Lift your soul to the Lord. That's what David did. And so I just started thanking Jesus, all bent up and in pain. It was terrible pain. It's worst pain I had ever had. Anyway, I'm, I'm just thanking Jesus for the light. And all of a sudden, the light came. It just came. And as the light came, I felt it like claws just ungrapping from my gut, you know. And so I don't know about your doctor or anything, but sometimes we can get attacked by the enemy. And, but he can't stand the light, you know. And so when the light begins to manifest, that's, that's the Holy Spirit upon us. That's the source of the light. 
So we have the Holy Spirit in us, but we have the Holy Spirit upon us, and that power can come and give us more, more anointing when we need it to break the yoke in the natural world. And so that makes a big difference. And so, and so Jesus said to them, it is not for you to know the times and seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. So Jesus rose from the dead. He had, he, he had breathed on the disciples. They're born again. They go to this mountain. Jesus is going to ascend to his Father. And what do they ask him about? They're still not getting it. They're saying, are you going to come back and beat up on the Romans <laughs> and put Israel back in charge? They still weren't getting it. And so they were looking out to the future for getting the present. They had Jesus now living in them, and they're worried about, you know, getting out of the Roman thing, right? God doesn't go and attack nations. God changes hearts. You know, he changed so many hearts in the Roman Empire, the Roman Empire collapsed. It didn't collapse because there was a Christian army that went down and got Rome. It collapsed because so many people became believers in Jesus, they didn't do Roman things anymore. (laughs) They are now doing kingdom of God things, you know? I mean, I was in the city of Rwanda. We started training disciples. Rwanda can be a dangerous place. We, we trained 8,000 disciples over a period of time. The mayor comes to me and says, I don't know what you guys are doing, but the jail is empty. You want to change a city? Jesus' method is make disciples in the city. <laughs> make disciples of Jesus. You get enough disciples, you change the city. Amen? Amen. And so they were worried about the wrong thing. Now, Jesus didn't say, that's not going to happen, or my kingdom's not going to come back, or I'm not going to return. He didn't say that. He just said, it's not for you to know. I want you to focus on something else. And I think he's saying the same thing to us with all the confusion around us. Let's focus on what we have and who we are and what God has in front of us, (laughs) right? And so he says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you, that's upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the end of the earth. So that's the Holy Spirit upon. And when the Holy Spirit came upon them on Pentecost, it was a big deal. It changed everything. By the way, he didn't say go witnessing. I hate going witnessing. And I hate being witness too when someone's going witnessing. You know, the, the, the Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses, they go witnessing. But they don't come to my house anymore because I asked them, hey, we could argue all day. Let's just pray and see if Jesus is real. <laughs> so, they, whoa, you know. So I don't, I don't even argue for a long time with them. I just ask, let's get down and pray and let's ask Jesus to make himself real to you. And we'll know for sure, you know. And so what, what he means by being a witness means that a witness is someone who t- tells what they saw, right? And so a witness is someone who tells what Jesus has done for them. And so you just tell people what Jesus has done for you, and they start wanting what you have. That's being a witness. A witness is also someone who is witnessing something happen. And so let's say you're, you're with someone and you pray, and God blesses them answering the prayer, then you have witnessed God answering their prayer, right? And so that's being a witness. We want to be witnesses. We don't want to go witnessing, right? Yes. Make sense? Yes. All right. So every morning I ask the Holy Spirit, please include me in what you're doing today because I want to be a witness. And so when I go to a place and and there's somebody who looks like they're hurting, I'll just ask them if they want prayer. I I just did it at Cracker Barrel. There was a lady named Sue who was our server. She looked kind of distraught. I said, hey, you want prayer for anything? And she said, pray for my daughter, Julie. She's a heroin addict. And then I said, I'll pray for her. 
And then I asked her about Jesus. She didn't want to know about Jesus. But she was so blessed by the fact that I had offered to pray for Julie, and we prayed for her daughter. And she's taking care of their three grandchildren. And so it gave me an opportunity to plant a seed with her and to see that Christians are not judgmental all the time. Sometimes we come with the answer what they need, right? <laughs> so, hallelujah. And so the Holy Spirit in, Jesus breathed in them. We received Jesus when we got born again. When we become baptized in the Holy Spirit, we receive the Holy Spirit upon. And he empowers us for ministry as he's upon us. And he can show it when it happens to you with tongues. That's one way, but it's not the only way. The first gift I saw of the baptism of the Holy Spirit in someone was the gift of wisdom. They had wisdom. I didn't know how they, how they got it. Or the gift of healing. I didn't know how they got it. You know, tongues is one of the, one of the things. But, and you don't have to speak in tongues to go to heaven. Because I, don't, I know the thief on the cross did not get baptized in the Holy Spirit before he went to be with the Lord. And he wasn't baptized in water either. So you don't have to be baptized in water going to heaven. You just have to know Jesus, right? He's the doorway to heaven, right? Jesus. And so I, I love this because this is an end time verse that Peter was quoting. So when the Holy Spirit came upon them, it was a wild time on Pentecost. It was wild. There was, there was an earthquake. There was a shaking of the building. There was wind. There was commotion outside. The people looked at the disciples and they said, these men are drunk with wine, right? And I don't know, you, you, if, you're, if you uh, come to any of the healing workshops, I start praying for people. I get so drunk, I can't remember a name. I can't remember my name. I can't remember what church I'm in because I just get drunk in the spirit because the spirit just overwhelms my senses. And so they were drunk in the spirit because they were being overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit. Kind of like worship today, it was overwhelming. And it's going to get more overwhelming as, as time progresses and as the Holy Spirit grows here Amen. in his manifestation. He's here, we just need his manifestation more and more. And so Peter was saying, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. The prophet Joel prophesied about the end of time. He prophesied about the end of time. And so, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. I have visions, so I'm not old yet. <laughs> Although I've been having dreams lately. I don't know if the Lord's telling me something. <laughs> and upon your men servants and maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath blood and fire and vapor of smoke. Whoa, right? The sun shall be turned to darkness. Whoa. And the moon to blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And so Peter said, this is that. He was saying that this is the end of the age. And so one of the things as a church, I believe we need to really get, grab a hold of is that what Jesus did at the whipping post, at the crucifixion, at the resurrection, at the defeating of the devil in hell, and of Pentecost. Those things created a time period where time for the human race is different now than it was before that. It's so remarkably different that Peter is calling it the end of time. Because Pentecost changed everything. It did. And we have been ignoring the Holy Spirit because whatever reason, we haven't, been we haven't been pushing in the way that we can to the Holy Spirit. And so everything's changed. Everything's changed. We're no longer, God, from God's perspective, when he looks at, looks at us, 
He's not seeing us under the law any longer. He's not seeing that when I look at you, you're needful, you're wanting, you're, you're in lack. He's seeing a church that is without wrinkle or spot today, right now, because he's seeing his son Jesus and he's seeing us through Jesus. And as we start to realize who we are and what we have, we will live out what God sees us as right now. Amen? Amen. So Tom often talks about great but how, right? You know, what, how, do we, how do I do this, right? And so I put up, really the key is meditating. Meditating on scripture. We had it before the new age. Don't worry about meditating. Isaac was meditating in a field. That was a long time ago. David said meditate day and night in Psalm number one. I mean, meditating is important. Jesus told, told somebody, he told Joshua <laughs> to meditate day and night and to speak forth to take the promised land. We need to take the land promised us. So we meditate day and night, and when we believe it, we speak it, right? And so we speak what the Lord says about us. And so these are some scriptures that I laid out that I meditate on that help me remember who I am and the authority and power that, I, that God flows through me. I'm just a pipe. God's the source of everything and, and the life of everything. And so I put a number of copies of this on the back table by the offering basket so you can take one with you. Um, I didn't print 200, so the first 30, <laughs> we'll get them. So anyway, so these are things that God says about us. So in, in John chapter 1, he talks about the Word creating the world, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And... Of his fullness, we have all received in grace for grace. We have received the fullness of the living word of God, Jesus Christ, right now in our life. And if we believe it and speak it, it will manifest in our lives. Your bodies are the members of the Lord. My hands and feet are his hands and feet on the earth. And this is a freebie. This is a freebie. You know, the Bible says that there's going to be wars and rumors of wars and pestilences and COVID in many places, right? But the end is not yet. This gospel of the kingdom must be preached in every nation and then the end will come. Well, the church is just waking up to the gospel of the kingdom now. We've had a partial gospel. The gospel we used to hear was receive Jesus so when you die, you go to heaven. That's the gospel we've been hearing. That's not the gospel of the kingdom. Because Jesus didn't come to get us just into heaven. He came to get the kingdom of heaven in us. That's what he wants. He wants us to realize as children of God that we are kings and priests in the earth. That's the gospel of the kingdom. I'm waiting for that to be in every nation. Then the end will come. Amen? And then there's the whole other footstool thing, you know, these waiting for his enemies on his footstool, and we're the feet of God, and you know what I mean? There's another one that says kind of the same thing. Will he come back? He says it in Thessalonians, yes. We'll meet the Lord in the air. Yeah, right, yes. But I'm not going to lose the present of who I am and what God wants to do now, looking forward to a future coming when Jesus might come and fix it all. Maybe he's waiting for his church to wake up and we fix it. Maybe we start to declare that evil get out of our nation. Right? All right, I'm getting wired up. I'm going to stop. <laughs> now, this is one of my favorite. He that is joined in the Jesus is one spirit with him. So if you've confessed Jesus, he has recreated your spirit, and you are one with him. He's with you wherever you go. Amen? Yes, amen. And it's not about our feelings. That's just a fact, right? 
the next one, the glory which you gave me. This is Jesus talking. This is powerful. The glory which you gave me. He's talk, Jesus talking to the Father. I have given them. Jesus has given us his glory. Yes. Whoa. Amazing. The glory he had even before the world was created. The glory that they may be one just as we are one. I looked up one in the Greek. It means one. <laughs> And that scares Christians. You mean I'm one with God? What does that mean? It means, it means, it doesn't mean that we have the same wisdom of God or the power of God. It doesn't mean that we are God. What it means is that God looks at us with the same value that he values his son, that he values himself. Amen? We are of equal value to God as he is to himself. That's powerful that they may be perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. So God loves us with the same love he loves Jesus. That's something to meditate on. You get a hold of that and nothing will bother you. <laughs> God before me, who can be against me? To them God will to make known what the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. God wants us to realize that Christ is in us, the expectation of seeing his glory in the world. Seeing God's glory in the world is seeing the broken things fixed. Amen? When we see a broken thing fixed, there's glory. Amen? And the kids are getting it more than us because we were over there this morning in Children's Church and it's written right on the wall, you know, so <laughs> they're, they're reading it every day. Whosoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. I mean, that's pretty good. <laughs> For everyone, everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. We have overcome the world. And he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God really believes it. We know that we have Christ in us. And he, you know, he says, in this world you have tri tribulation. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. If the overcomer... The one who has overcome lives in us. It doesn't matter what comes against us because we have all the resources we need to overcome it. Amen? Amen. So those sheets are back there, and um, that's it. <laughs> so God is good. So, Mike, you want to come and close? Sure. Okay. Thank you all. God bless. Thanks for checking out the Life Church St. Peter's Message of the Week. For more podcasts and additional information, visit us at lifechurchstpeters.com.